guys. Is this working? Does it need to be closer to my ear? Okay. Okay. Cool. I need to grab my phone because I'm notoriously, I'm notorious for going over time. I'm going to try to keep it short. How are you guys? Good? Awesome. Man, worship is so good. It's good to be out here. Like, <laughs> it's great up there, but it's really good to be out here. Um, and you guys killed it. It was so good. Hmm, PTO. What that means. Praise the Lord. Awesome. Okay, well, for those of you who don't know me, um, I think most of you do. But for those of you who don't, my name is Matt Nall. I go here at the Vineyard. I play drums on Sunday mornings. Um, I led the youth here for a couple years, and it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. I was really sad to hand it over, but really happy to hand it over at the same time because Sammy, Joe, and Ben are doing an awesome job now. Um, I'm married to Natasha Nall. If you don't don't know me, you probably know her. She's incredible. She's the most amazing woman on the planet, and it's awesome. (laughs) Oh, brownie points. Okay. (laughs) Um, If you have a Bible, if you want to turn to Exodus 32, you don't have a Bible, it's okay. It's going to be up on the screen. Um, Dusty opened it up for us, and it was really good. And then Andrew Ward was last week. Um, we're not going in chronological order, and I hope that doesn't freak you out. Because it doesn't freak me out. We're going to start in 32, but I already told you that. So I'm going to give you a little background uh, what's been going on so far. The Lord has been really, uh, God has been coming in power uh, and manifesting his presence physically to Moses a lot uh, up to this point. Moses has spent some time with the Lord on the mountain, um, Mount Sinai. Mm -hmm. Everybody know that? Cool. All right. (laughs) Uh, He's been coming in power to Moses, and Moses has been spending a lot of time in the presence of God, a lot. A lot, a lot. Like in the manifest presence of God, which is awesome. It's actually happened a few times around here. Um, what actually got me, got me starting, what actually brought me into the vineyard, that's what I meant to say, it was Garrett Gilkey. Anybody remember him? Yeah. Uh, he came over to my house one night, and he said, uh, he's like, dude, tonight the presence of the Lord showed up at the vineyard, and it smelled like donuts, and it was awesome. <laughs> I was like, What? What are you talking about? And I grew up um, really in a really conservative background, which isn't necessarily bad. Um, But I grew up in a really conservative background that was really more concerned with information about the Lord than encounter with the Lord. Um, So I got a lot of information growing up, but I didn't really encounter him much. And uh, when he told me that, it kind of like, I was like, whoa, what's going on? (laughs) So him and Sam begged me to come, and then uh, Adam actually, I ran into Adam, I didn't know who he was, and he was like, dude, he heard me playing drums, he's like, you got beats, you got beats, why don't you come out to the vineyard, and so I did, and it was incredible, and I've actually encountered that type of presence in the Lord in here as well, like, um, we were sitting over here one Sunday, and I started smelling like Earl Grey tea, you guys know what that smells like? 
yeah, I started smelling Earl Grey tea. I was like, man, what is that? And I turned to Sam, and he's like, do you smell tea? I was like, yeah, I smell tea. It was nuts. And, uh, but no one around our little, like, chair, three chairs could smell it. It was, you, yeah, you smelled it. And then Holly afterwards, my wife was sick at the time. Holly was like, you should probably go home and, and pray for your wife. She had a throat cold. So I did, and she got healed. It was awesome. <laughs> um, but okay, back to the story. That's just a little bit about me. God's been coming to Moses in power. And then in uh, chapter 23, God says to Moses, he promises to send an angel ahead of him. They're, they're going to take land, okay? They're going out from Mount Sinai. God says, I'm going to send an angel in front of you. And he's going to, uh, he actually calls it, I'm going to send my terror in front of you to strike fear into your enemies. And uh, the terror that it says there, it's actually translated the hornet. It's pretty cool. Yeah, I <laughs> found that out. That's pretty neat. Like, uh, and a lot of times when the Israelites would come into battle, there would be mass confusion, like all kinds of confusion in, in the enemy camp. And so like when I read the hornet, I imagine like if you watch a guy who's really far away, like run into a bee's nest and he starts like freaking out and you have no idea what's going on. Yeah, it's pretty, it's kind of funny, but it's cool. Um, and then in uh, chapter 24, Moses goes up on the mountain with a few guys and 70 elders. And they eat a covenant meal with God himself. Like, God is there. God. And they describe what he looks like and, like, what, what his uh, feet are on. And it's some kind of, I, I didn't understand. I couldn't even pronounce the word, what they said it looked like he was standing on. But it sounded really pretty. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. And, uh, <clears throat> and they sit down, and it says, but they don't die. It's really the only one that I know of where someone comes actually face-to-face with God, looks at him full on, and they don't die. Um, and they sit down and have a meal with God. That's incredible. That's incredible. And that's what, that's what I really want to go for. And I think that's the heart of, of this church, what they want to go for. And that's incredible. Um, so after that, Moses goes further up the mountain and stays for 40 days and 40 nights. Okay? And he stays so long that the people down at the base of the mountain, the Israelites that are waiting for him, they, they start freaking out a little bit. And they're like, he's up there so long. Aaron, please make us a golden calf. Or they didn't say make us a golden calf, but they said, make us gods to worship. And so Aaron said, all right, everybody give me your jewelry. They melted it down. They cast it into a calf. Okay. Um, So that's basically where we're picking up. Okay. After that's happened. Um, One more thing before we actually start that. What Dusty started with, that we really need to take this out of storybook land. Like, we really need to take this out of our, our children's fairy tales because it's real. And this really happened. Like, for real. Um, anybody into YouTube videos? If you're into YouTube videos, you're probably not into YouTube videos as much as me because I slam YouTube. <laughs> I spend way too much time on YouTube. Um, but I ran across, and I looked it up. These two guys, uh, they found the real Mount Sinai. Um, traditionally, uh, the traditional Mount Sinai that's actually not the real one during the Crusades and everything when the, the king and queen came through, they said, hmm, this mountain looks gorgeous. It must be, it must be Mount Sinai. <laughs> it looks like it. So they, they made it Mount Sinai. And 
put a little sign on it. This is Mount Sinai. And so it's traditional, like when people come there, they think they're going to Mount Sinai. But these two guys, one was a, an archaeologist and one was a, uh, a biblical scholar. Um, the archaeologist was an, was an atheist, by the way. Um, they decided to go find the real one because they're like, this just can't be it with the directions and uh, uh, geology of the Bible. This can't be where it is. So they go and find it. They take a video camera with them and just them. They come up to a fence, like on their way to it. There's a fence, it's blocked off, and there are armed guards on the other side of it. And where they uh, track this down, it's actually predominantly Muslim uh, Islam around there. So they decide to go under the fence when the armed guards aren't around. They take their video camera, and they find the real Mount Sinai. Like on the bottom of it, there's an altar, and this is on video, and it's awesome. Uh, there's an altar, and it's got like a calf drawn on it. Um, there's also a huge boulder that's cracked in half, and a, it looked like uh, what looked like a riverbed coming out of the boulder. Moses like struck the rock, and then they climb the mountain. All the while, armed guards are circling the bottom, so they've got to dodge them. But they climb the mountain, and the top of it is burned black from where the presence of the Lord had rested up there with Moses. The top of it is burned black. It's incredible. So this stuff is for real. Like this really, really happened. So let's start, um, and as we read this, I want you to look at two things. I want you to uh, keep an eye on two things. Moses' desire for the presence of God and his dream for his people. Really watch for those two things. So we're starting in Exodus 32, verse 9. I'm going to put it up there. Cool. And this is after Moses came down, golden calf, or Moses is still up on the mountain. Golden calf was made, and this is what God said to Moses. I've seen these people, the Lord said to Moses, and they are stiff-necked people. Now leave me alone so that my anger may burn against them and that, you not, er, and that I may destroy them. Then I will make you into a great nation. But Moses sought the favor of the Lord his God. O Lord, he said, why should your anger burn against your people, whom you brought out of Egypt with great power and a mighty hand? Why should the Egyptians say it was with evil intent that he brought them out to kill them in the mountains and wipe them off the face of the earth? Turn from your fierce anger, relent, and do not bring disaster on your people. Remember your servants Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, to whom you swore by your own self, I will make you descendants as I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky, and I will give your descendants all this land I promised them, and it will be their inheritance forever. Then the Lord relented and did not bring his people the disaster he had threatened. So God threatens destruction, but he still offers Moses, uh, he still offers to fulfill the promise through Moses that he made, which is really, really interesting. He says, I'm going to destroy these people, but through you I will still fulfill the promise. And then, but Moses wanted more than that. Moses wanted more than that. Like, God would have kept his promise through Moses. But Moses wanted more than that. He wanted the entire community to be included in the promise. He wanted all of Israel to be included in the promise, which is huge. And when you spend, like, all the time that Moses was spending in the presence of the Lord, like, a lot of people, uh, from the outside, it would really look like, oh, man, like, he's the big dog. He's the guy God likes. And you could think, looking at it from the outside, he's got a big head. Like, he thinks he's it, whatever. But that's really not how the presence of God works at all. It's actually the, the opposite. 
the more you spend in the presence of God, the more your heart is bent toward other people. And so all of that time that he was spending in the presence, like his love for his people grew. And he had the chance to fulfill the promise through himself, but he said, no, please, don't destroy them. That's incredible. Yeah. And I think, I think that's why the vineyard is so uh, bent toward the community. Like this church, it's really community-focused. And going out and blessing Campbellsville, it's because the presence of God is one of our banners. Like, it's in the DNA. It's one thing that we go after. The more time you spend in the presence, the more time your heart is spent toward other people. Presence isn't a one-man show. So Moses comes, uh, comes back to God, or he goes down the mountain, okay? Uh, God says, I won't destroy them. Moses goes down the mountain. He sees what's going on. He sees the calf. He goes to Aaron and said, what did these people do to you to make you do this? And Aaron said, oh, they all gave me their gold and jewelry, and then uh, we threw it in a fire, and then out popped this calf. Likely story, right? <laughs> um, yeah, I wouldn't believe that from the guy I left in charge. <laughs> so... <laughs> Anyway, that's the story that Aaron gives him. But after seeing this, Moses says, I'm going to go back up to the Lord and ask for forgiveness for what you've done. Which is also incredible. After coming down, after vouching for them, okay, don't destroy them, coming down and seeing this. And then going back, and he's saying, I'm going to ask for forgiveness for you. And then Moses says to God, basically, forgive them or blot my name out of your book. He gives God, he, he basically gives God two choices. Forgive them or blot my name out of your book. Moses is so bent toward his people that he's putting his own name on the line for theirs. That's incredible. That's another thing that spending time in the presence of the Lord will do. <laughs> and Andrew's word on leadership, like, yeah. Yeah, again, you see there Moses' desire for his people. But God's response in Exodus 33, verse 3, he basically says, is that, did I give that to you? Okay, awesome. God basically says to Moses, go up to the land flowing with milk and honey, but I will not go with you because you're a stiff-necked people and I might destroy you on the way. (laughs) Thanks, Sam. God also says, uh, he says, I'll send an angel with you. I'll send the angel we were talking about back in chapter 23. Is that what it is? Did I write it down? Yeah. 23. He says, I'll send the angel with you that we were talking about, but I'm not going to go with you because you guys are stubborn and you're stiff-necked. That's a hard word to hear. When the Lord says, I won't go with you, my presence won't follow you, have you ever tried to do anything apart from the presence of the Lord? Huh. <laughs> I'm sure we all have. But have you, think about it. It's awful. It's like, <clears throat> physically, it feels like working 14 hours a day in a job you hate. Going home, staying up all night watching TV just to get your mind off of it. And then getting up and doing it again. And again. And again over and over. You get exhausted. You get depressed. You start to hate life. Like Apart from the presence, it's terrible. Life is awful. 
Apart from the presence, it's like trying to build a house without a crew and without your tools. It's exhausting, and you can't do it, and you'll eventually burn out and give up. It's like driving a car with no alternator. <laughs> Funny story. I have to say this because this has happened to me. Me and Sam were on our way to visit Garrett Gilkey in my car, and my alternator goes out, and I didn't know it. And so we're driving just on the battery. Does everybody know what an alternator does? An alternator, basically, your battery starts your car up, and when you start driving, your alternator takes over and recharges your battery, but the alternator takes over with all the electricals. Okay, I'll just put it that way. And uh, my alternator went out, and we didn't know it. And so the lights keep getting dimmer and dimmer in my car. And we're like, <laughs> we came from Camelsville, and we get to Litchfield, going to western Kentucky. And we're, we're going, coming up on the Litchfield exit, and, like, my lights are going out. They're going out. <laughs> and my car is slowing down, and I'm like, my foot's on the floor, and the car is just, mm. <laughs> we, we go up the ramp, like, 10 miles an hour. And we coast into a gas station. I'm like, what's going on? I'm trying to start the car. But the point is, like, it just drew off of what was supposed to be reserved battery power. Like, your battery's not meant to run your car, okay? Apart from the presence of the Lord, you're running on your own stuff, and you're going to run out. And you're going to need to jump. Yeah. We actually had to call Sam's parents to come and get us. It was awesome. <laughs> Sam's parents are great. Me and Sam are best friends, by the way, if you don't know that. <laughs> yeah, you can't do it apart from the presence. You'll get frustrated and burn out. Um, <clears throat> but a real story, a real life story, that was real. But um, when I was, I, I was working a job that I didn't like. I thanked the Lord for it because I really needed a job. But I was like, God, get me out of here. I hate this. And, uh, I was working a night shift, and you guys know that I play drums, and one of the huge desires of my heart is to uh, make money and support a family playing music, and it's been that ever since I was little. Ever since I was a little kid, I've had dreams about it, like super vivid dreams. It's actually one of the ways uh, the Lord speaks to me is in dreams, super vivid, and uh, I would have dreams playing in front of like thousands of people into the horizon, and it's not like a... It wasn't like a, a fame thing, like, ooh, I want to be famous. It's just like, I want to play for these people, you know. And I was working at this awful job. I was working the night shift in the Smith Hawks. We played this morning on the four-minute break. Um, we, had to, we had to practice. Because I was working the night shift, we had to do our practices at 8 a.m. on Saturday morning <laughs> here. And so it was awful. Had to get up at 7.30 on Saturday morning to come and practice. And I was like, okay, we got to grind through this. This is my dream. I've got to do it. But, like, I, I didn't really give the Lord a second thought during this whole thing. I was like, yeah, this is apart from, like, this is apart from church. This is apart from um, uh, ministry or whatever in my head. But I didn't really, because I didn't, like, address it, if that makes sense. So we're practicing here at 8 a.m. And then uh, on one particularly bad practice, I left. It was like 11. We were here forever. I was going to have to go into work that night. So I start driving home, and uh, my windows are down because it's super hot. It was a really hot summer. And the wind's blowing around, and this piece of paper, like I see it in my rearview mirror, 
it's like blowing around in a circle in the back seat because the wind's blowing in your car. You guys ever had like a Walmart bag back there and it just like, <laughs> and you're bracing yourself because you're like, it's coming up. <laughs> it's coming, it's coming. And you're trying to wait for it and, and snatch it. Well, this paper's like blowing in a circle in the back and then it comes up and lands on my steering wheel face up. And there are two sentences on it. And I'm like ticked off about practice. And I'm like, Lord, is music my thing? Like, are you trying to tell me something? And I take it, and I take the piece of paper, and I look at it, and I'm like, oh, throw, it, throw it in the passenger seat. And I'm like, wait a minute. And I double took, and I grabbed it, and I meant to bring it tonight, but I didn't. On the piece of paper, two sentences just here at the top, it says, your dreams are not out of reach. You're beautiful to the Lord. And I had no idea where it came from. Don't know who wrote it. I showed it to several people. Did you write this? Did you write this? I asked Tasha. Nobody wrote it. It was just the Lord, like, in the presence of the Lord met me in that moment. It's like, you're called to this. This is your dream, and I know it's your dream, and I love you. It was incredible. When you spend time in the presence of the Lord, your desires are, um, we use the word purified, right? And he knows your desires. When you spend time in the presence of the Lord, well, the Bible says that. Delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. We'll get to that in a second. I'll jump forward a little bit. Sorry. So Moses goes back a third time after God says, I'm not going with you. You can go ahead, but I won't go with you. Moses goes back a third time. Uh, b- before he goes back, they had this, uh, he had this thing. They called it the tent of meeting. <clears throat> and Moses set it up to where if anyone had an issue or a request, they could come to the tent of meeting, meet with the Lord, and submit their request. Meet with the Lord. And I'm not talking about like, oh, I guess you're in here. Like, the Lord would show up in a pillar of cloud. And you could talk face to face with God in the tent of meeting. And Moses, from what we can tell, Moses Moses and Joshua were the only two that would go in. That's insane to me. Like, Dude, I would come up with any reason to go in there. God, my hair is too thick. It looks like a mushroom on my head. (laughs) I would come up with any excuse to go in there. But what the people would do, they would come out of their tent. They would watch Moses walk through the camp, watch him disappear inside the tent. Then a pillar of cloud would come down. And when when the cloud came down, everyone got on their knees. But it was open to these guys. Like It was open to them. They could have come. Moses spent a lot of time in the presence, and it was open to everybody else. Mm. It's actually still open, by the way. But Moses, uh, during this tent of meeting, and, oh, sorry, the, uh, the tent of meeting, it also shows Moses' heart towards his people. Like, he set this up. He wanted his people to live in this relational, like, in a presence. He wanted a presence people. Like, he wanted his people to interact with God. But they didn't. Because they were stiff-necked people. <laughs> but Moses goes back, Exodus 33, 12 through 14. Let's go there. I'm just going to read it off of that. That's cool. Moses said to the Lord, You've been telling me, lead these people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. You have said, I know you by name, and you have found favor with me. If you are pleased with me, teach me your ways, 
so I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this is the nation, that this nation is your people. The Lord replied, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. You have the rest of them? Awesome. Then Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you have asked, because I am pleased with you and I know you by name. Then Moses said, now show me your glory. And God did. (laughs) That's incredible. By the way, if God changes mind, freaks you out, I'm sorry, it happens <laughs> all the time. God changes his mind. He had this relationship with Moses and also with us. It's available. So where you can bring requests to him, he does have a will. His will was to fulfill the promise that he made to Abraham. And he was going to do it. But Moses said, hey, can we do it this way, please? Jesus even made requests to God like that. God, let this cup pass from me if it's possible. But your will be done. God's will will be done regardless. But it's up, the, the, the path to it is almost always up for discussion. And even uh, when it's not like God, when uh, Moses went to God and asked forgiveness for the Israelites, he said, forgive them or blot my name out. God actually said, no, I'm not going to blot your name out. Everyone who sinned against me, I will punish them. Like he said no to both. And go. But he didn't say, Moses, how dare you ask me that? How dare you question my will? That's terrible. He never once, never once said that. So two things. <clears throat> we got a couple minutes. Two things to look at here that I kind of want to end on. We have to be, we have to be presence people. And in that last passage that we read, if we're not, we're no different. If we're not presence people, if we're just about more information, if we're just about, oh, in this chapter, in this verse, God said this, and it matches up with what it says over here. Ain't that neat? The hornet. Ain't that cool? Okay. And go home forget it what what point does that serve like it's not helping anybody and it actually sucks and it's really boring <laughs> because I did it for a long time it's not near as fun but it makes us no different like the Lord actually also uh, the Lord actually moves through um, I guess what some would call the secular realm as well like we have this thing um the kingdom of God shows up out of, outside of church. Like, there are, there are people in the earth that God uses that don't know him, that don't know anything about him. But God uses them. Without, without uh, that, that presence, without the relationship, without the value of the presence of God, and spending time with him, we're really no different. This is a big deal. And some people might think, well, that, that kind of presence, that kind of like manifest uh, presence of God, the physical showing up, I can smell it, I can see it, I can touch it, I can taste it, that kind of thing is just for the big guys. Like it's just for guys like Moses. He was leading two million people. I got a, I got a cubicle at work. It's actually open for everybody. 
because you have a circle of influence as well. It's actually open for everybody. You guys remember the New Testament? After Jesus died, the veil of the temple was torn from top to bottom. That wasn't just the temple falling apart because there was an earthquake. That was a prophetic picture and a literal picture that the presence of God is open to everybody, everyone. And I no longer just live and dwell in the temple inside of us. It's incredible. Also, the second thing, we can contend for our desires. When we're presence people, we can contend for our desires. Moses had an idea of what he wanted to happen, and he thought, well, he brought it to the Lord. Who knows what him and God talked about in the tent of meeting, like every day. That would have been incredible. But we can contend for our desires, and it doesn't make God angry. He probably actually placed them there, most of them. Like a lot of people are like, oh, desire will lead you down the path. Whatever. You'll die. You'll end up broken in the gutter. Well, like my desire to make money doing music, it's actually, uh, <clears throat> oh, you guys know the typical, and I'm a drummer, which makes it worse. Like the whole typical guy who's like 45 years old and still thinking he can make it in music. I'm not talking about you, by the way. <laughs> I'm not talking about you. <laughs> the guy who's like, <laughs> I'm not talking about you. No, okay, you got to let me finish the story here. The guy who's 45 years old, still thinking he can make it in music, he quits every job that he has. Which you don't do. There you go. <laughs> quits every job that he has. <laughs> he, puts, he puts all of his money into his music. He goes nowhere. He's super irresponsible with it. Like, I totally forgot where I was going with that. I totally got lost in this. <laughs> The desires that you have are probably from the Lord. Like, if money were no object, if resources were no object, if, those, if that was not an issue, what would you do? Think about this for a second. If money wasn't an object, resources weren't an object, what would you do with your life? Whatever pops in your head is probably what the Lord has for you. It's probably what you were made to do. Not 100% of the time, but it probably is. Our desires come from the Lord. And it's great. And he knows your desires. And he wants to fulfill them. And he wants to spend time with you. I think time is up for me. But who's on the ministry team?